when it comes to the dark arts. I believe in a practical approach. Hello and welcome to the last episode in the current series of the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast. I'm Cammy Black and I'm joined today by John Anderson. Hello. And Rory Baldwin. Hello. Um, don't forget we uh, have our blog which is scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. We've also got a Facebook page which is facebook.com slash scottishrugbyblog and we're also on Twitter at scottrugbyblog. Um we are going to start today by talking about the Fiji game because we have to um, and it sort of feels like we should probably start the podcast with the hands in the rock jingle John because that was pretty poor showing from Scotland. Yeah it wasn't great was it? I'm, I'm not sure it was um, emphasised by being up at 3.30 in the morning to watch it but um, yeah it was it was fairly turgid stuff. Um, take nothing away from Fiji. They they played what was in front of them, but um, yeah, it was pretty desperate from Scotland. And and really, I mean, a lot of credit credit to Fiji because I don't want to really play down how hard they fought for the win. But um, Scotland probably need to start looking for consistency now if they're going to move on to the next level. Um, and that really should have been a lot more routine than it was. Yeah, they made it incredibly difficult for themselves. I think uh, I think there were two there were two probably two problems for me watching the game. The first one was the physicality. I don't think they were um, they were quite able to cope with the the sort of the solid mass of the Fijians, um, which isn't the first time we've seen a Scotland team, you know, or a Scottish team struggle with you know with brute power like that. Glasgow have struggled quite often when they're when they play against kind of big physical teams um and i think the other thing they did was they just yeah they tried far too much rugby um i was watching the game with a mate and you know we were wincing every time jackson or horn was you know they were dithering before delivering a hospital pass and then just lined the receiver up to get smashed by a fijian um we were probably lucky to get away with so few injuries but uh, on the plus side maybe uh maybe they managed to jolt john john barkley's back back into position <laughs> And, and John, do you agree with that? I mean, is was the lack of physicality down to selection, or was it one game too far? Do you think? Ah, uh, probably better. Better call me. Better call B. To be fair, I think um, Townsend has history on this. He's regularly picked Lee Jones, who is not a massive man by by any stretch of the imagination, and he has picked him against big wingers, and he's done well. Damien Hoyland had, by all accounts, an absolute howler. Um, but the Fijian boy who he was up against, I mean, he was a absolute tank, wasn't he? He was just running through everyone. So, yeah, I mean, selection-wise, we probably weren't well set up to deal with that, but we need to be better at that. Also, yeah, I mean, end of a long, long season, you know, we're talking second-string team uh, yeah um it's it's a difficult one isn't it probably a game too far um and and john while we're speaking to you rory's done a bit for the blog today about the five positives we can take from the win um instead of the usual player rating piece um yep. uh, did you see any positives in that at all 
<laughs> um, I, I know from speaking to Rory, he was he was having um, he had to think quite hard about that piece. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I've, I've read the piece of it. He uh, managed to get the five points, and there wasn't any just, d- just yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a desperate stretch, but it, it was it was a bit a bit willy at times. But yeah, I mean, the rolling ball uh, clearly a point three that Rory's made on the the post. It worked really well. Now, how much of that was down to Fiji just not having an interest in that part of the game? Who knows? But it has seemed to be a weapon that we've been able to use more. And also Glasgow last season, and possibly to the tail end of the season before, certainly made massive improvements in it. So I wonder how much um, Dan McParland coming over is actually having an impact in that because it, it seemed we defended it well and we seemed to obviously we scored two tries from it so yeah that would be the big positive from me uh, and Rory one of the positives you've uh, pulled out so your top one is um, the uh, an eye-opening clarification in squad depth I mean is that really a really a positive or was that you just stretching to, <laughs> to, to yeah put some put a spin on it yeah Probably not. It was just a case of trying to uh, trying to rephrase a, a negative as a positive. Um, I don't know if it. Yeah, I mean, it maybe wasn't perhaps as eye opening as I suggested. Um, we should have probably seen it coming. There were quite a few. There seemed to be um, there were a few players who maybe had had question marks against them for a while, and because the the B team had suddenly knocked over um, Australia in, in Sydney, we were thinking actually, oh no, we'll just take take the question marks away. So guys like uh, like. Pergos or Rudy Jackson, who we, we weren't quite sure about, we suddenly thought, yeah, no problem, they'll, they'll fill in for for uh, for Russell and Hogg, and we'll, we'll be fine. And uh, it turned out not really to be the case. So there's yeah, there's a few guys, a few guys in there. Maybe the question marks have got bigger. Um, we know that that definitely wasn't, you know, that wasn't Scotland's first team. That wasn't the team that we'd expect to follow in a Six Nations or a World Cup. So from that point of view, it's it's not too worrying, but. Um, yeah, it's one. It's one of these things we still need to try and unearth, unearth some uh, some cover in, in certain positions where we're, we're kind of pretty thin. And uh, John Rory's highlighted ten and fifteen as areas. Um, I'd maybe argue we're lacking a ball carrying eight, or that our ball carrying eights have have dropped off the pace a bit. I mean, is is there any? Would you agree with that? Is there any other areas you think we're exposed after that game? Yeah. Um... I agree with all, all all three of those positions actually. I think uh, ten and fifty. What struck me in the build up to the match, um, in in the press there was plenty of talk about Scotland's game plan. Um, so we we identified that Fiji didn't kick the ball much at all, and we were going to use Pete Horn and um, basically Pete Horn and try and get them kicking at the corners, try and pin the Fijians back, and then dominate them in the set piece, which I always find when we we make these grand plans um, as a Scottish rugby side, we we tend to go awry. You know, I remember picking Duncan Weir because of his good kicking game and then getting absolutely pummeled by Ireland. Um, As it turns out, Fiji kicked lots of balls and barely, barely, they didn't struggle on the line out either. So best laid plans and all that. I think, um, uh, yeah, in terms of the eight, it's a difficult one again. The conditions weren't brilliant for the ball carriers. There was a lot of dropped ball, but yet the Fijians didn't seem to drop the ball. So, 
I mean, maybe we're making making excuses there. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I'm just like, you're, like, you're not, you're not angry. You're just disappointed. Just disappointed. Just yeah, disappointed. just like Brody last week. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, the, the uh, John picked up on the uh, plan of kicking to the corners um, that Scotland were trying to execute. I mean, do, do you think there's been a lot of talk? I think about Scotland like maybe lacking respect for Fiji and not taking the points from the post. I mean, do you, did that really cost Scotland the game? Um. I think I think it was it was less the it was less the fact that uh, that they weren't kicking for the post. I mean the conditions looked pretty uh, pretty horrible. It wasn't always easy to see from the from the the internet feed, but the uh, yeah it looked a bit blustery. Um, the Fijians seemed pretty happy kicking at gold. They're maybe maybe a bit more used to it. Um, I mean you look at the match the match stats kicks from hand to Scotland sixteen Fiji seventeen. So they're both you know maybe they, if and they weren't kicking to the corner. So you know. The, the tactical approach is actually in terms of you know kicks, passes, runs, and things like that. It actually looks pretty even, which to me says unfortunately we were trying to play too much like Fiji and not not kicking to the corner and not executing the plan. Um, Barkley spoke afterwards, saying that they hadn't executed the plan they set out to, and so Fiji deserved to win. I think probably the tackle count um, didn't didn't help them. Uh, ESPN's got 32 missed tackles. Um, yeah, thirty as well. So, thirty as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, the stats are, are quite interesting. But I mean, you look at uh, like Alex Allen, who was probably um, not not his first cap, but not far off it, and he had three runs and two tackles, and that seems to be only oh, conceded a penalty. That seems to be it. So, what what were they doing? With some of these guys. It's interesting actually. Johnny Gray had he had 13, 13 tackles, didn't miss any. So, um, stat boy returned even. Though it didn't seem like he had that good a game, he was once again him and Barkley were tackling everything that moved. What was Hoyland's tackle count? Hoyland uh, one tackle. Uh, he had one and missed two. Interestingly, <laughs> where the the one the one that well one of the ones he missed was one of the Fiji tries where um, the Fiji how was it Nakarawa just ran over Ruri Jackson and passed to someone Hoyland was marking in Hoyland. Just sort of ran alongside Hello. him, gently pulling his shirt, <laughs> and then <laughs> fell over. Yeah, it was Nakarawa off uh, It was a lovely sort of round the corner off and yeah, it was that big, the big number fourteen for Fiji. I'm not even going to embarrass myself by trying the name, but he was, he, yeah, it just, just didn't fancy it at that point. Well, I know, I think been... that it, it was almost. Imp- I mean, the both the attempts at tackling from Jackson and Hoyland were were pretty embarrassing. I would have said they, 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 it's not something that either of them are going to want to watch back again. Um, <laughs> but you can't do that at this level and expect to win, can you, John? Like drop off thirty tackles? No, oh, I mean thirty tackles. I mean I've seen it mentioned um, a few times in different places um, over this uh, the last couple of days. You fall off thirty tackles, you expect to take an absolute drubbing. And Scotland, whilst it was fairly fairly dreadful stuff, one of the positives we can take is. We should probably have been put away for a lot more with that level of tackle count. Um, so the fact that we sort of dug in, we had our chances. We, we, you know, we were we were level with not long to go. It says says something, but yeah, we we need to that we'll not see thirty missed tackles very often from that team, and um, the defensive guys will be. But it's good they've got something to go away and work on. Um, 
where did you get the stats from, Rory? Because I was digging around for them and I couldn't find many. Did ESPN get them up in the end? Yeah, ESPN have got some up. I was thinking how... about com- comparing uh, Scotland's stats with uh, Samoa and seeing how many tackles they missed in the All Blacks game, but I'll, I'll maybe not. I'll save that. <laughs> I'll, I'll open it for another day. <laughs> uh, how did how did um, our good friend Mr. Wilson get on? Have you got them? Have you got the uh, stats in front of you? Yes, um, zero kicks, uh, two two passes, one run, three runs, and for six meters, and <laughs> um, one one missed tackle, one completed tackle, and one line out. No penalties this time. No penalty. He didn't. Did he come off the bench? Yeah, he was on the bench. bench so. Yeah. And what about Josh Strauss? Uh, he had. Um, Seven passes, six runs for a total of 16 metres, uh, five tackles, two missed, and one line out, and one penalty conceded. Oh, and a yellow card. And a yellow card, of course, yes. Uh, Ridiculous yellow card, wasn't it? What um, abs- I mean, I, I know there was a talk of Glasgow bias last week. I'm just going to throw it out there. Obviously, Strauss, former Glasgow man, what an absolute plum he was with that yeah, that that tackle. He's just banzaied into the guy. No arms, nowhere near. An idiot. I mean, do you think? I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Glasgow under Townsend have had a pretty shoddy um, disciplinary, disciplinary record. record. Yeah, and whether yeah. or not that, I mean, that's two cards in two games. And no, it's is something this him a hard edge. Yeah, but there's a hard edge in there. And then there's rash <laughs> stupidity. Yeah, and then there's, you know, having 15 Jim Hamiltons on the pitch. Well, just look at no, the Lions this morning. There's a team. <laughs> just look at the team. Uh, look at the Lions this morning. They go down to 14, and the Hurricanes ran riot and got the draw out of it. Um, you know, at that level, not suggesting to support Mr. Gatlin's claim that the, the Hurricanes are at all blacks level or anything, but, you know, they would certainly give quite a few international sides a good game. And at international level, we, we need to keep 15 on the park as often as we can. And I mean, it's not rocket science. And may, maybe there is going to be a wee bit of a legacy from the slightly indis- indisciplined days of the, the Townsend era. Um, and Rory, um, uh, who for you had a good game? I mean, we've talked about Johnny Gray um, doing 13 tackles, which I think in a defeat like that is probably a, a decent return. Anybody else have a good game for you? Um, it was tricky. Where I was trying to pick a man of the match, and it was one of those games. I, never, I mean, I didn't come close to uh, to picking a Fijian because it has to be a truly awful performance for it not to be a Scottish player. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I thought the, the hookers both did, did well. Brown actually looked like he was uh, the only one who had a clue that, you know, what a dire situation they were in at the end in the last five minutes and, and looked like he wanted to rescue it. Um, Barkley was a bit quieter, but then I think it's been established he was possibly in quite a lot of pain. Um, and, yeah, Taylor Taylor was going OK, but we only got a half out of him before he got um, before he got smashed. Um, it was it was pretty disappointing that Nick Grigg you know, only got the ball five times in the whole game, and most of them were towards the end when when everyone was probably a bit tired. Um, yeah, it 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 was it was quite difficult to find uh, find an overall performance. It was one of those ones where everyone kind of sunk to the same level. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, it's interesting to see Ross Ford. Um, Oh, under Townsend, I think I said on Twitter after the game that whether or not it's that he just hasn't 
understood what any previous coach has said to him until he's been coached <laughs> by someone from the borders. Need the right um, accent. Yeah, that's that's it. The entire time he's he when people have been speaking to him, all he's heard is run, run and hit first player and then fall down. And then under Townsend, suddenly like, oh, you want me to go through them? Oh, you want me to offload? Oh, you want me to score tries? Yeah, I can do that. Nobody's ever asked me to do that before. <laughs> yeah. Hundred and ten caps later. Hundred and ten caps later, and he's yeah, top top try scorer on the uh, Scottish Summer Tour. I mean, if he, I mean, I wonder what odds he would have got on that before the tour. Uh, I wish he would put some money on it. You'd have yeah. been carted off. You'd have been you'd have been sent on your way, wouldn't you? Going to the bookies with that one. Um, and then. Um, in terms of the loss to Fiji, I mean, it takes a shine a little bit off um, the Scotland summer tour. Um, and I know we've been accused of being a little bit um, dour about uh, the, the Australia game. But um, <laughs> the, the, what do you think um, we've learned about Scotland under Townsend, Rory? Um, I've think that we've seen the, the Tooney Tombola is alive and well. Um, I don't think anyone expected the, the team selection we saw against Australia. Um, I don't think anyone expected them to do quite as well as they did once once he picked that team, um, which I think was, you know, was very helpful in terms of the uh, the development of, of some of the guys who've now got that, you know, that experience under the belts. Um, I don't know what we've, what we've really learned. I guess we've learned that if they play Townsend's game play game plan correctly then uh, we're in you know, we're in pretty good shape because when when the backs are the backs are going well Finn Russell's kind of running riot it was I mean it was the same against Australia as it was you know as we saw in the in the uh, in Six Nations when he's sort of having one of his days the the defence just kind of looked terrified of him I mean same as when he had his good game for Glasgow um, and and then made things around him um, so we've we haven't really learned that that works. We always knew that worked, but um, we've learned that it works against teams like Australia as well. It's just uh, it's not just in Six Nations. Uh, but we've also learned that if they play what I guess like Horn and Jackson thought was Townsend rugby, or it, and they don't, you know, and it's not quite uh, it's not quite clicking, then it just looks like a big giant mess as it did against against Fiji. And I mean, yeah, they they kind of looked they looked like they were trying to run up too many blind alleys or you know try too much of forcing it. Um, I think the the thing the good thing about Russell is he makes it look natural, and that's probably the the issue. I guess if there's one thing we learned, it's that we need a backup for Russell, or a, a, a way of playing that suits the suits the backups we have. Would you agree with that, John? I mean, because we've talked about Townsend seemingly wanting ball players from one to fifteen, and there's maybe sort of the counter argument that says that not everybody can play. The way that Townsend wants to play, and not everybody understands as well. Do you think Townsend needs a plan B? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't, having watched Townsend's Glasgow for many years, I don't think we will have a plan B. And I think that um, I hope that doesn't become an issue. But I think, I mean, the argument you have to go back to the argument of does the coach pick a team to suit his game plan or does he pick the best team and then pick a game plan to suit them and I think Gregor is clearly one of those players uh, one of the, one of those coaches sorry probably one of those players as well who he knows what he wants to do absolutely has the steadfast belief in what he's going to do and then he's going to pick players seemingly at random sometimes who he thinks will suit that game plan and 
I think that's why we're not seeing, you know, obviously with, with the tour, there was a couple of folk that missed out who people were quite surprised about. And we saw a couple of new faces coming in. Tullis has come in and done really well. And I think we'll see more of that um, as and as long as the results stay decent, we will probably continue to try and push towards having, as you say, 15 ballplayers or 23 ballplayers, hopefully. Um, and Rory, you've talked in your piece about um, some players cementing their place. Um, Toulis was one of them. I mean, anybody else you think that's sort of now or for the moment firmly in the squad that maybe previously wasn't? Um, I don't know about in terms of the squad. I think uh, it was great to see uh, WP Nell back to form although, or back to fitness. I'm not, I think he's still probably a wee bit of his best, but uh, hopefully he gets a a good summer of rest and a, a, a solid preseason, and uh, he can kick on with with Edinburgh. I think if if Nell and Figerson are both at the top of their games, then we're looking pretty pretty handy at uh, at tighthead. Um, Duncan Taylor, it's great to see him back. He um, has pretty much picked up where he left off before he was injured before, and I think that um, he's probably uh, he's probably a starting centre alongside Jones in the autumn if they're both fit. Um, I know that a lot of Alex Dunbar fans will probably disagree with that, and I think he can, you know, he can absolutely force his way back in if he's if he's playing well for Glasgow. It'll be interesting to see how Dave Rennie's approach, um, if it varies at all, is is going to to bring him on. Where to, whether he plays Dunbar at twelve or thirteen, um, whether he makes him, you know, do more carrying. We've called for him quite a lot uh, in a Scotland shirt to do a bit more ball carrying, um, but. I'm not sure whether that's just because he doesn't get the ball or whether he, you know, prefers to to pass it up and then focus on the defence. But um, yeah, I mean, he can he can absolutely force his way back in, um, as could Matt Scott if he continues his purple patch at Gloucester. But yeah, if it was uh, if it was Scotland v Samoa today, I'd pick uh, Taylor Jones to start. Um, and John, anybody you think shouldn't be seen near a Scotland shirt again? <laughs> Yeah, there was a, there was a few people who struggled, wasn't there? Um, we've obviously um, we mentioned Jackson. Um, you know, again, I've said previously, how many times do we have to go back there? I know we were really short of options, but is Jackson really the next the, the next cab off the rank? He's uh, off to, off well, to France to win the big bucks now. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Well. To be fair, I mean, will, will his game suit France? Uh, probably. It's that kind of average plodding along, sort of going to kick the ball about a bit and run past some fat French forwards. So, yeah, we'll probably do OK. Um, other than that, I mean, maybe I'm not saying he shouldn't ever be seen in a Scotland shirt again, but Henry Pargos was dreadful and has continued... Um, I, I think it was noted that it, off his left side, which seems to be w- the, the passing hand that seems to be most strapped, uh, strapping is now reaching astronomical levels of, of kind of padding. Um, he did see, seem to really struggle off his left side with, with the, the speed of pass, which suggests to me he's not fully fit. Um, and maybe there's something that needs to be corrected during the limited time we now have till the, the start of the new season but he was he was awful box kicking again it was it was like Laidlaw in the bad days where it was making seven eight meters being caught 
uncontested by the Fijian defence and then ran back at us by these huge big men. It was, it was crazy, crazy play. Um, and then, Rory, was there anyone you would have liked to have seen more of? I mean, a few of the young, um, younger uh, front row players maybe didn't get as much time as we thought they might. But anybody you would have liked to have seen more of? Uh, Nick Rigg would have liked to see more of him. Yep. I guess he did get a full 80 just about, but he didn't get much chance to do it. And uh, Magnus Bradbury, I think, uh, he, had, he got, what, 20 minutes against Italy. Uh, I think, you know, we could have... Gregor could have used the Tuni Tombola in his favour on uh, on Saturday there to and maybe uh, replace John Barkley if he you know if he was below par. Um, I think it was touch and go right the way through the warm up up to the up to the game. I mean he's got guys in his squad he could have used them. Um, Bradbury would have been ideal to fill in at six, although he'd been sent home at that point. I mean even Rob Harley, um, yeah, I think would have liked to see a bit more. I think. We need to see a bit more of Bradbury because we're still hunting for the the back row blend. We're still hunting for a kind of a number eight ball carrier. Um, there's suggestions he might not be quite the quite have quite the heft and might be better at six. Um, so yeah, I think uh, Bradbury, um, maybe Darcy Ray could have could have had a shot. But as I say, if we've got our two two guys fit, then you know he'll get his chances when the internationals are on with the, the bro teams and. And maybe I mean we might see him again in the in the autumn, and uh, Alex Allen too. Um, and and speaking of the autumn, just around this this bit off, um, what John do you think Scotland should be targeting from the three autumn tests? The first test uh, against Moore on the 11th of November at Murrayfield. Um, then they're they're all at Murrayfield this year, so then we've got Scotland New Zealand uh, the following weekend, and Scotland Australia at the end. So it's sort of doing. Um, it's sort of the reverse of what Scotland have done have uh, tests been, in yeah. the past. In the in the past, we've always played the sort of tier two nations last. Um, so it's a bit almost Samoa as a bit of a warm up, and then the All Blacks and Australia after. So what, what what's a realistic target? Do you think, John? I think we need to be aiming for two out of three from that, um, particularly at home. Now that we've we've been close to Australia the last few times, and obviously we've beaten them now down there, we need to be putting to to have any credibility uh, in our world ranking of you know fifth sixth seventh whatever it will be at that point we need to be putting teams like Samoa away um as for the New Zealand game we we need the guys need to believe they can win that I don't think the fans do necessarily believe we can beat the All Blacks considering you know what they're doing or what they will be doing at the Lions uh, just now but we certainly should be trying to get a game in with them try to get close um, it all depends what team they put out as well because I mean the last few times they've played us they've, they've had what they had Colin Slade at fullback last time didn't they and also or on the wing and they had all sorts of random positional changes they made 14 changes from the previous week so the, there was a, a definite lack of respect there uh, it'll be interesting to see the team they put out this time um and rory uh, are you with us i am indeed good um your what do you think we need to be targeting from the autumn tests um two two from three and what about i mean i think yeah I think three we... from three would be three from three would be presumptuous and that's yeah. not served as well so far so and do you, I mean, in terms of 
the All Blacks then, because that would probably be the one you would predict as being the loss. Um, yeah. What? What? I mean, if we're being realistic, is is keeping them within a score a realistic target? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've got a bit we've got a far better team than we did the last time that we played them, and that was the closest one ever. Um, we had today, you know, we almost. Um, I think it was Ross Ford I read during the week suggesting that maybe um, this is before the Fiji game, suggesting that the new <laughs> the new confident and uh, strong-willed Scotland team might have actually been able to close that one out. Um, the the All Blacks <laughs> game, where I think it was Laidlaw had a penalty to 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 draw it level at ten minutes to play. Um, Post. Yeah. So I mean, look, it would be lovely to think that we're going to break break the the duck now. I'm sure Townsend has had a think about it and thought that would be a pretty good way to to stamp my uh, stamp my reputation on the you know on the the Scottish rugby scene by by coaching the first Scotland team ever to beat the All Blacks. But I mean, we saw we saw on Saturday we've seen with the result against Samoa when they click how how tricky it can be. So you know maybe if uh, maybe if the Scotland that we saw in the, in the wins in the Six Nations turn up. Then uh, yeah, there's no reason why we can't unsettle them. I think the crowds at Murrayfield now are a lot, a lot, uh, a lot bigger for the autumn games. Um, they're certainly a lot noisier. There's a, a bit more voice in Murrayfield these days. So, you know, they'll be right behind the team and, and fancy a fancy a crack at it. Um, but it just depends. The team have got to, you know, they can't be overawed. Um, they've got to, uh, you know, they've got to go out there and, and give it a real, give it a real crack. Or the All Blacks will just, you know, they'll walk all over them. Comment of the week. It's time now for comment of the week. It's our weekly roundup of our favourite comments left on the blog, uh, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. You can also leave us a review on iTunes uh, or the Apple Podcast app, whatever the kids are calling it these days, and we'll read those out too. Um, Rory, what's caught your attention on the blog this week? Um, I, I was trying to find some funny ones, but there wasn't much. There wasn't much comedy going on this week, uh, mostly because it's just been a bit, bit sort of depressing. But yeah, I found um, Ruggersby uh, talking up Ben Toulis, and uh, Toulis is rapidly looking our best lock, in my opinion. And then Jamie said, totally agree. Gray is a top club player, but I haven't seen him outplay his opposite man in any of his caps. Toulis should start with Richie in the autumn and have Gray on the bench. And while I don't necessarily agree that um, he hasn't, you know, Johnny Gray's never outplayed his opposite man in, in any of his caps because he did pretty well against uh, Ireland and Wales in the Six Nations. I think actually that's quite it's quite a dynamic uh, second row having Richie Gray and and Ben Toulis. Um Whether it's too dynamic, I'm not sure. Maybe you need the you need the grunt of, of Johnny. But I think between those three, those are probably the those are probably your choices now. Um, I think modern locks you you want them to be powerful, athletic. And have some handling skills and be able to run out a line out in a mall. I don't think you can have one guy who does the line outs and one guy who does the, the handling. Um, so I think between those three, they should be able to find a quite a nice blend for the for the second row and a, a bench replacement. Tulis was certainly uh, my player of the tour in, in terms of you know having impact. We got two tries from rolling malls against uh, against Fiji, admittedly he was only on the part for one of them, but um, you know he he was really one of the standout players in the Australia game as well. So. Yeah, it's good to see Tillis coming in and then sort of pushing Johnny Gray a little bit. I think um, I think it was Tom English writing on the BBC. I think he he was making the point that Johnny Gray has done well 
so far, but probably needs to start developing other parts of his game, and I think that's probably fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. In terms of his, you know, he's it's the same as when Richie started, and Richie was better, I think, in the Six Nations at running at players and not falling down and actually running through them. And I think Johnny is still a bit sort of of the Ross Ford mold of going to ground too quickly and trying to secure the ball rather than having confidence that at his height and bulk he'll be able to run through players and yeah. still recycle it. Um, John, what's what's your comment of the week? So, um, I have had a look at the five positives and the chat on there sort of descended into some Lions chat, of course, and my good pal WG got a wee mention. Um, Andy Slow um, says, Gatland is a laughing stock in New Zealand for many reasons. If he ever coaches the All Blacks, I'll eat my hat. Um, he then goes on to sort of look at, you know, not using the bench, uh, in a high-intensity match like today, the Hurricanes match, uh, risks fatigue and injury to the players who may be called up to the next te- test. Uh, what kind of coach doesn't use their subs in case they play well and show up his previous decisions as being incorrect? Um, he then sort of comments on Tommy Seymour, well done, and um, appreciates the article uh, regarding the fallout from the Fiji game and sort of pleads for young fly halves to come through and give uh, Finn a wee bit of backup. I think this this comment is really indicative of the the way that obviously Gatland has not is not the favourite up here in any way, shape, or form just now. But it's really indicative of the sort of real cynicism and um, loathing that are sort of sitting behind his perceived decision making. Now, you know, to suggest that a manager is not putting his subs on because he doesn't want them to outplay his test team choice that he's so clearly identified is is it's really quite it's quite dark, actually. And uh you know, it's it's a strange strange place to be in when there's a lot of supporters thinking like that. I think, I mean, the thing um, that sort of struck me today amongst a number of other things that were sort of going on, we'll probably pick up in hands in the ruck, I'm guessing, later on. But it was the, um, if uh, what we talked about, I think, when we were doing our Lions specials and then early on in, in this series where we were talking about what the Lions means to people in Scotland and probably particularly... Um, the younger generation, I think, where there haven't been many Scots picked for the last few tours, there certainly haven't been many Scots starting the test games. Um, and when you're talking about the ethos of the Lions and what the Lions means, um, that decision today to leave two two Scottish players on the bench, and I don't know much about the Welsh guys, but I, you know, they seem to be very peripheral fringe players. But in Allendale and Finn Russell, you've got two players that are first choice for Scotland and have both had fairly good seasons and are young and could both feasibly go on be on future Lions tours. So it makes no sense at all. I can maybe understand it for the Wales players who are maybe more fringe players, but for Russell and Dell, those are two potentially future Lions. Why not get them on the pitch and give them some exposure? This it, it, all it does is re—I think—reinforce the opinion that some people have, and I'm, I'm on the fringes of it. I'm not, one, you know, I've sort of exaggerated for comic effect sometimes, but the, the, the sort of 
disenchanted, disenfranchised youth in Scotland that, you know, are, are, are almost cheering on the All Blacks gleefully and wanting the Lions to lose. Well, some are clearly cheering on the All Blacks. <laughs> I mean, some are being very vocal about it. And, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of like yourself, Cammy. I'm actually... Um, Again, yam it up a bit for comic effects, but you know there is there's there's questions to be asked afterwards on this tour regarding a variety of potential conflicts of interest and all sorts of things like that. And you know the fact that we're having these discussions, uh, you know, it should never have got to this stage. And the the the, geo, the geography six is known you know it's it's like, it's, it's just ridiculous um, and it is it's it's really put a sour taste in in a lot of Scottish a lot of Scottish supporters uh, mouths regarding this. Rory, do you come in and defend Warren Gatland at all? Um, <laughs> no, no, okay. <laughs> um, well, we'll move on. I mean, my, but we, sadly, again, we've, we've had no iTunes reviews, um, this week. Um, please do leave us reviews. Don't want to beg. Um, other podcasts seem to get them quite regularly, although I'm not sure if it might just be, uh, friends and family doing it, but where, um, we, we must have friends. We must have friends. Um, Maybe family. Have we got any, uh, none of my family have iTunes, I don't think. No, that, I think that may, that, therein lies the problem. But, um, we, uh, at about lunchtime today, uh, we had no contributions at all to the new section, Where's Dougie Donnelly? However, after I put a shout out on Twitter, we've unearthed some real, real gold. And, and I, there's, there's a lot of potential in this being a regular feature. Um, the pen tweeted, uh, it was a bit of a humble brag about drinking with Hugh Dan McLennan um, and Ali Barber at the Warriors annual awards dinner. Um, which wasn't as mundane I was hoping for. Um, just a reminder that Where's Dougie Donnelly is not just Where's Dougie Donnelly, but have you seen any Scottish sports presenters um, out and about? Um, Dougie Donnelly was actually at the Warriors Annual Awards, but the pen didn't see him. So uh, actually, it wasn't much of a humble brag. Um, Finley McCush saw Dougie Vipond and Marks and Spencers. Didn't say which branch um, or what Dougie Vipond was buying, sadly. Um <laughs> Andy McLennan, uh, one of our regular contributors, um, he came up with a couple. Uh, he went to a 16th birthday party and Dougie Donnelly was there and repeatedly <laughs> called him uh, Dugolly Donnegly in order to impress a girl, but it turned out that he was a family friend. Um, <laughs> Andy also once sold a suit to Ian McGeekin's wife in Leeds. Um, Jack Cowan on Twitter once had a pint with Dougie Donnelly at the Murrayfield Wanderers Clubhouse. He says Dougie's hair was immaculate, but the Pringle jumper less so. Um, Callum Robertson, uh, his mum went to school with Dougie Donnelly. He also said that a friend of his was invited to Dougie's daughter's wedding this summer, but couldn't go as he was moving house. Uh, Then it got really dark and weird. Um, (laughs) D Black, no relation. Uh, saw Dougie Vipond in his speedos at the Alla Leisure Bowl in January. Um, so that was a good spot. But the best one, and and this is if if we were giving out a prize for where's Dougie Donnelly, this this would win. Um, and I, I, part of me is prepared to retire the section already just because of this. <laughs> this is Graham Graham Mc, uh, McMillan uh, who said Dougie Donnelly used to DJ at the Olympia in East Kilbride in the 70s. Uh, Graham says he remembers Dougie playing the hits of the day, including Gene Ginny and Radar Love by the Golden Earrings. Um, I asked if I, d- I did ask Graham if uh, Dougie wore a medallion, but apparently, but apparently not. But big, big, big white collared um, shirts. And he oh, also said yes. 
He also said, now John, you might be able to help with this, he also said that he brought down Tiger Tim from Clyde FM to the club. I have no idea who Tiger Tim is. Uh, no, that's that, that's a cultural reference beyond me as well. I'm, um, assuming, that must he's, I'm assuming he's some sort of Ouija folk hero. Yeah, it must have been when I was when I was uh, dossing it up uh, in my uh, island um, before I had <laughs> discovered the big city. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I'd like to make us a reg- regular feature if we can do in the next series. So if you've seen Dewey Donnelly or any Scottish sports TV or radio personality, then do get in touch and let us know. The more mundane, the better. Award ceremonies are a bit too exciting. I'd, I'd rather <laughs> much rather you saw them getting a haircut or. You know, out just getting the shop, and that's much more, much more exciting. They don't um, have to be called Doogie either. No, they don't even have to be called Doogie. Although uh, there are quite a few Doogie ones, Doogies around. Um, no, yeah. they can be called as long as they're, they're, you know, Scottish and a sports presenter, and you've seen them. Doesn't have to be even be in Scotland. Um, then we're happy to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for our Lions hot take now. Um, it's been a bit of a contentious subject this week. Uh, both Brody and Gav were scheduled to be on this week's podcast, but both dropped out as soon as I announced the topic for this week's hot take. Uh, so strap in, because it's going to be a controversial one. This week saw the 20th anniversary of the release of the first Harry Potter book. So this week we're looking at what the Lions can learn from Harry Potter. Now John's here, he's in his wizarding robes, ready to tackle his head on. Uh, have you been sorted into a house, John? Uh, yes, yeah, I have actually. I, I'm going to be honest, I was playing about with the, the Pottermore sorter earlier on, just to confirm which house I would be, be in. Um, it seems that me and Warren, uh, Mr Gatland, are in fact in the same house. We are both the mighty Slytherin. Um, so I've actually, I've actually suggested that the, the Lions can learn from this. And I've, I've written here, and I was a bit nasty about it, because I hadn't done the test at this point. Uh, I wrote WG is a filthy Slytherin and then done the test and realised so was I so you know but with his Machiavellian tendencies Slytherins can be narcissistic at times and generally cold to the feelings of others instead of focusing on their own needs and ideals also for laughs I did this test today guess what house I am in so I've actually now I'm going to start the campaign here we can make a make a thing of this Anderson for Lions 2021 Um, you'll you'll see the hashtags going up on social media soon (laughs) Um, Rory, I'm Hufflepuff. Uh, did you do the test? Have you sorted yourself? I I have to confess that I know very little about um, Harry Potter. Anyone that knows me will know I'm a, a Middle Earth kind of guy. But um, <laughs> I have I, I've seen I think I've seen the first movie and I'm I'm familiar a little bit. So um, I have done I did some uh, some Wikipedia research, but I haven't got as far as uh, as assigning myself a house. I did know I do know that Slytherin are the bad the bad ones. You don't you don't so, so you don't even know what your Patronus is, Rory. No, I don't even know what that is, but it's, it, sounds, it sounds a little painful. <laughs> I've done that test as well earlier. <laughs> uh, go on then, Rory. What, what have you, should, what, well, what have you learned about Harry Potter, well, Rory? <laughs> as much as what have you learned well, about Harry Potter? No, I mean, yeah, what, what could Harry Potter teach me about the lions? I don't know. Um, I've learned that Finn Russell is stuck on platform nine and three quarters. 
Because he's because he's sort of a lion and he's sort of not. He's had his four minutes. He's got his number. Um, but yeah, he's. They're not probably going to talk it. You know, at the moment he's still in the uh, the Christian Wade, Billy Twelve Trees or Shane Williams on his last Lions tour kind of set up rather than you know rather than Shane Williams on the 2009 tour. Yeah, he's, um, he's he's a pub quiz answer in waiting, isn't he? It's like, oh, yeah. he was on that tour, sort of thing. Yeah, Alan Dell potentially could be as well, depending on how he, you know if he if he, hopefully we, he kicks on. But uh, you know, if he doesn't, he could he could easily be which uh, South Africa under twenty player only played ten minutes for the Lions or something. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully the um, the learning curve for Finn, I think I think he'll be good, and hopefully he'll be on the next tour fully on merit. Yep. Um, I've gone for uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix when Harry, Ron and Hermione formed Dumbledore's army in order to teach their classmates practical defence against the dark arts when the defence against the dark's art professor Dolores Umbridge chooses only to teach basic theory. This eventually pays off when their classmates are able to help win the Battle of Hogwarts with uh, through all the things that they've taught them. And what this teaches us is that you can sim- not simply rely on your core group but have to be prepared to call on help and assistance from your wider circle uh, and use the bench. Very good. Yeah. Very good. John, That's well researched. Yeah, thank you. Uh, John? Yeah, so um, I'm going to go for uh, next. So again, as you say, the Battle of Hogwarts, uh, when they finally de- defeat Lord Voldemort, there is input from all four of the Hogwarts houses. Now, what this teaches the Lions, who coincidentally should be a collective of four nations that the power of four uh, will be needed to defeat the dark lord steve hansen um and, and rory did you manage to um you know come yeah, up with anything else well uh, you know i i like the path of least resistance and i was aware that there was some sort of sporting harry potter thing so i did some reading into quidditch um, <laughs> actually having i think one of I think one of my cousins might be going out with an international Quidditch player, but I could be wrong. Because <laughs> um, there is apparently a real, a real Quidditch. It's oh yeah, they, no, no, it's, it's yeah. a real sport, Rory. Don't, they no, don't, don't play have, it down. It's a genuine have, real sport. Uh, yeah, they don't have broomsticks or something. Or no, they do have broomsticks, but not broomsticks that fly. I, <laughs> anyway, apologies to any like rabid Harry Potter fans who have, have picked this podcast up on social media and everything. <laughs> I've been one that misled us to the content. Um, yeah, so I find a, a quote from uh, J.K. Rowling about Quidditch, which was, uh, to be honest with you, Quidditch matches have been the bane of my life in the Harry Potter books. They're necessary in that people expect Harry to play Quidditch, but there's a limit to how many ways you can have them play Quidditch together and for something new to happen. And what I think she's saying here is that you can't beat the All Blacks with Warren Ball. But I could be wrong. That's exactly what she's saying. Yeah. Um, I, and uh, I, I also uh, also find in, in Quidditch that there's something called a bludger, which is a, a jet black root object that flyers fly around violently trying to knock players off their standing leg. So it's Peter's <laughs> job to defend their teammates from the bludgers. So I think Toby Fallot has the Peter and he hasn't done his job well. Very good. Um, the Scottish uh, national Quidditch team don't have a great record. Um, the uh, two, 2014, they failed to qualify for the Quidditch World Cup in Argentina. Um, so that's a shame. Uh, but I went for uh, my next one was about Neville Longbottom. Um, who uh, could equally have been Harry Potter, because um, there was a prophecy about the Chosen One, a wizard who would have the power to vanquish Voldemort and be, uh, who would be born on the seventh, as the seventh month dies to parents who have defied the Dark Lord thrice. Thus that could refer to Neville, who was born on the 30th of July 1980, or Harry, 
who was born a day later, uh, and indeed Neville played a significant role in defeating Voldemort by killing Nagini, Voldemort's snake, and the fact who was also the final Horcrux using Godric Gryffindor's sword, which he pulled out of the Sorting Hat. Um, but that goes to show that heroes can come from in unexpected forms, and Warren Gatlin should start Finn Russell at ten in the second test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say which one of those two is Dan Bigger. <laughs> I think he's. I think in that that analogy, he's ne- the he's snake. Neville Longbottom. Oh, maybe he's yeah. snake. You know. <laughs> it's funny you should mention birthdays, uh, Cammy, because that actually leads very nicely. So as you rightly say, Harry Potter's birthday is the thirty first of July. Now, um, in nineteen seventy one, when the Lions toured New Zealand, the fourth Test that uh, that tour against the All Blacks took place on the thirty first. Uh, of July. It finished 14 all, clinching the Lions the series, and it was the first time that JPR Williams ever dropped a goal. He actually put a bet on with part of his team before uh, before the game um, to say that he was going to drop a goal that day. Um, as another interesting snippet, it's also the birthday of Mills Muliaina, the former All Black. Ah, very good. Uh, Rory, have you managed to scrape the barrel for anything else about Harry Potter? No, that, that that's me. I'm that's me. I'm afraid. But well, I, you know, I'm, I didn't I'm, have time to read a read a stack of books the size of oh, Billy Bull and Puller. So. Well, so yeah, after 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 after, well, you've done well for short, such short notice. To be fair, <laughs> um, I've um, I've gone for Gilderoy Lockhart, who's the celebrity. As you you'll know Rory. He's the celebrity wizard who's written many books <laughs> on his exciting is that, adventures. Is that Kenneth Branagh. It is Kenneth Branagh, well done, yep. Uh, he's written many books on his exciting adventures encountering dark creatures. However, he's exposed as a charlatan and a coward when he admits to having never performed any of the amazing feats and instead stole other wizards' experiences and erased their memories using memory charms. He ends up giving himself permanent amnesia when he uses Ron's broken wand in an attempt to use a memory charm on Ron and Harry. And that just goes to show that mind games never work and always backfire. <laughs> Uh, we will do our hands in the ruck uh, now. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about for hands in the ruck. There's not much going on that's uh, contentious this week. Uh, Rory, what, what have you decided to go with? Well, um, I've decided to be annoyed at Scotland for a change. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really annoyed at Scotland as an entire country, just the Scottish rugby team and the fact that we have... Um, it was something that I kind of touched on in the in the article about the positives, and one positive was that we can now stop arguing with Welsh fans about the Lions, but that's mostly because we have now kind of we've lost lost that argument. It was the um, the fact that losing to Fiji, it it kind of undoes all the respect that the boys have built up with the win in Australia. Um, it, you know, it's the same way that the the Calcutta Cup kind of overshadowed the other good results in the Six Nations. Um, like Glasgow's lost to Saracens and to a certain extent the, the one to Munster earlier in the European campaign kind of undid much of the credibility and it's just um, it's just it's really frustrating when, when Scottish teams do that you know I'd be quite happy well I wouldn't be deliriously happy but you know I could cope if we had narrow losses um, if the team are playing well but you know these games where we just sort of barely turn up or don't look like we've got a plan um, we're you know, a lot of a lot of Scotland fans, myself included, are, are genuinely hoping that uh, that they wouldn't be a part of the Scottish rugby fan experience going forward. 
um, you know, we as a collective blog get hammered for being too negative all the time. Uh, but, you know, it's the same lessons year in, year out. Um, I used to used to do some five things we've learned pieces kind of quite similar to that for uh, for Rugby World's um, website. And it was, uh, you know, it was getting really repetitive writing the same piece roughly eight to ten times a year with only about, you know, there was about seven lessons that you'd pick five from um, to choose between them. I mean, concentration, discipline and restarts were the three that we've been banging on about for two or three years. And, uh, you know, rugby should be quite a simple game. And when Scotland are playing well, they make it look astonishingly simple. Um, so can we learn the lessons, please? Yeah, I think that's a good one. I mean, I, th- I would. It was. I think the under twenties is is encouraging in the way that they played, because I think what um, we've lacked is intelligence in the past, and I'm not yeah. entirely sure that the first team are a hundred percent there yet, or we've got enough intelligent players to make a full starting lineup and bench from at the moment and that's players that are intelligent enough to to read the game and work out when things aren't going to plan and how to change that yeah um and that takes time admittedly that takes time that's not something that happens overnight or by changing coaches it's something you have to teach from an early age and i i I do just sometimes wonder whether or not some players just aren't intelligent enough and are maybe too old to learn. Mm. And, and you just hope that, that, that as the younger generation come through and if they've been taught that stuff or they've learned that stuff, that, that the sort of brain fart games are out the window and when we lose, we lose narrowly and play well because that's the only way we're going yeah. to get respect from other countries because at the minute we we don't have that you're right we don't have bragging rights at the minute we beat for every, we, we you know we regularly do this thing where we beat australia we beat south africa we you know have a, a good six nations where we beat three teams but then the next year we'll be in the running for the wooden spoon and we'll lose to a tonga and it's to say you're right it's yeah. the same cycle again and again and again yeah i mean it, it's uh you know, we, you know, I think, I think some of our players had a, you know, had a, a great Six Nations and they probably did deserve to get a few more on the lines. But when you're looking at, you, yeah, actually, when you actually see like what is involved with a Lions test and what you would need to win that to to win that match against the All Blacks, you need 15, 23 guys who are absolutely world class at the top of their game, who just are able to, um, you know, are able to play for for 80 minutes. I mean, you kind of need that for for test match rugby at high level, but these lines test, you know, they are because it's the All Blacks. Uh, and I mean, you know, we saw guys who who we thought we think are at the top of their game there, and they weren't they weren't able to, you know, they weren't they weren't able to do it. And uh, for every and these are guys who have been on tours before, who have had you know experience of winning Grand Slams, experience of winning Six Nations, and they're still not able to do it. So. To think, you know, it's perhaps a little naive to think that our guys who've had, you know, one good Six Nations in ten years maybe are, are going to suddenly be of a standard to, to live with that. Um, I think we've got huge talent. We've got the m- most talent we've ever had coming through um, and in the squad at the moment, and it's incredibly positive for the future. You think about what the team's going to be like, say, in 2019 for the next World Cup. Once these guys have got um, 
you know, two, three years of hopefully results like we're starting to see under their belts, um, then, yeah. Um, but they've got to they've got to do it by by turning up. They've got to find that brain fart button and just turn it off, un- unwire it so that it's just not a thing anymore. Um, John, moving on. What's your hands in the ruck? Ah, uh, yes. Um, I'm I'm going to um go for the, going back to the geographical six and in particular Mr. Gatlin's nicking of Urwee Finn um to come and get skills in his arse um over in over in New Zealand. Um you know, there's been countless countless articles written, especially after this morning where he got his four minutes um for HIA. Um why bring these guys over? Um, if they're not going to get game time, you know they've they've brought six players over to bulk up their squad under the pretense that they were essentially uh, protecting the squad. But then, you know, Gatlin said in an interview after the game today that um, I quote, um, "So much was made about devaluing the jersey." So we had a decision. We would try it through the game with as many of the starting fifteen as we could. You know, there was there was guys literally hobbling off the park um, this morning and the the buffoon that is Gatland decided not to use the bench um, you know it's, it's difficult to say I wish or we wish that Finn and, and to a lesser extent Alan Dell had said you know stick it but it really is fairly disrespectful isn't it yeah I, I, I it, it's um it doesn't stack up the the reason he it's gave. It's a strange one, yeah. It yeah. is because either either it it whatever way you look at it, it paints Gatland in a bad light, and it, it you could argue that's to deflect attention away from the players. Yeah. But actually, I mean, I I think for Finn and Alan Dell, you know, they don't have to work with Gatland again, so you know they can just get on the plane. And be annoyed about it and, and and put it behind them, but you yeah. you worry you wonder about those the Welsh players who he's essentially said you know I agree he's essentially saying I agree that that it's going to devalue the jersey if I put them on the pitch if I give them a Lions cap so if I give them a Lions they're cap, clearly not good enough for the Lions yeah and and what does you know he's now got to go back and coach those potentially coach those players in future. To be fair, most of them are fourth choice anyway, so they'll probably not be near his squad if, if any yeah. case. <laughs> but it just, it, it, you know, it just, it, whatever just... way you look at it, I mean, it, it, no manager in the history of professional sports has ever said, I, I you know, Twitter didn't like it. <laughs> so I didn't, I'm, I'm managing my team by a Twitter. I, I don't know any manager that's done that's ever done that. Or even that the, the QE Press, yeah. It's yeah, a bit exactly. Donald Trump, isn't it? It's a bit Trump-esque. Yeah, it's almost, he's, he's, he's almost sort of playing to the in a way. He's almost playing to the crowd. He's like, oh well, if you're going to paint me as a clown, I'll act like one. And it's it's petty. And yeah, yeah I mean, it's he's also talking about you know the the reason that they were brought in was to protect the test team, but in actually not playing them, he's played guys today. Who could potentially be into the, the test team? Certainly, uh, Courtney Laws and Ian Henderson are both being talked up hugely after the game. Um, 
and maybe maybe one of them, you know, maybe Jack Noel is also being touted as a, a potential choice. So these are guys who could, in theory, be um, be given a shot at the test team. But if that was the case, you'd take them off with half an hour to play and get a replacement on. And yeah. like you say, you know, Dell or Russell are not, you know, they're not. Okay, Dell's maybe not, you know, not as well known outside of outside of Scotland, but certainly he's just come through. He's just come through a summer tour and done well, and you know had a test win over the Wallabies, as has Russell. And yeah, just not not playing them. It just seems it seem it seems silly. I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen. What's going to happen now in terms of uh, are they all going to get sent home and just leave who they've got for for the? Um, I mean, they must have a rough idea of the injuries and the injury cover they've got. No. The only yeah, I mean the only thing I think the 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 he he was quoted as saying they all go home after this test yeah. of the you know the uh, geography six, but um, Henshaw's pulled up with a shoulder, so you just wonder whether or not they've got a big squad anyway. So that's still you know he does send them home, or whether or not there is justification in keeping yeah. somebody back, which would presume it might, might be Finn, but. Yeah, it might depend on uh, Dan Bigger. I mean, he took a he's taken a couple of head knocks now, I think. So, uh, yeah, Finn might. I mean, it's it must be quite a strange sort of atmosphere in the in the squad now for the even for the midweek guys like uh, like Greg Laidlaw or Tommy Seymour, because um, especially if you know if they lose the if they lose the test at the weekend um, and it's it's two nil, are you re- do you really want to push that hard for the for a space in the third test? I mean, everyone. I guess yes, you want to be a test line, but surely you want to be a test line where there's something at stake. Something um, to play for. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, if the All Blacks are going for a whitewash, you can't think they're going to take the foot off the pedal. Um, so there's probably only you know there's only limited glory to be gained in in Mr. Gatlin's honour there. Um, you, you've got to think most of them will probably be thinking, oh, I could do with a holiday now. I mean, the other you thing could, is, on, on you go. No, you go I was no, going to say, I suppose. Um, you know, there's the argument to be made for Gareth Davis as well, because um, obviously Connor's uh, Connor's uh, standing leg has again proved proven problematic. So you know, we we'll have to be just have to see how he comes through. Um, I'll keep I'll, well, that's going to be mine in a minute. I'll bring that on in a minute. But I mean, the other the other thing I was just looking up now is the is Russell's four minute cameo, which. There surely must be question marks about that, given Big has already had a couple of head knocks. Because the standard amount of time, if you take somebody off, um, this is the principles are any clear or suspected signs or symptoms of concussion must result in immediate and permanent player removal. If the signs or symptoms of concussion are unclear, then a player can be removed for an HIA, which is a 10-minute off-field assessment. The HIA does not diagnose concussion. It identifies a suspected concussion. Mm. So you cannot do an HIA in four minutes so the question mark the question is was was it if it was an HIA then it wasn't long enough if it was a blood injury then fair enough but there's there's I think it yeah I mean it was after it was after the uh after the the try when and bigger tried to make the tackle clearly got flattened it was clearly a head knock wasn't it maybe it's just bigger's of limited intelligence and it takes less time <laughs> it would presumably take more time. <laughs> I can't tell if you can cuss or just being normal, Dan. He does. I mean, he has a history as well of playing whilst he does. He's maybe maybe he's uh, he's like um, he's like Jack Bauer. He's learned how to beat a polygraph. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
or Gatlin's done the old thing of like, or oh, tell him he's Dan Carter and send him back on again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, who, who are we? Who are we playing? They're playing Fiji. Yeah. Um, my well, my hands in the rock uh, sort of falls on what John was saying was was the um, the return of Conor Murray standing leg. Um, gate. Yeah, it's a gate. It's, quite it's a, big, a yeah. gate. Conor Murray standing leg gate, which is rapidly developing to be uh, the new uh, jet fuel can't melt steel beams, and <laughs> you know that. The, the, the Twitter yesterday, where the initial footage was was on of Jerome Kano taking Murray out, and on first look it doesn't look good, and then when you look at it again, you can sort of see that um, Falatau, who's sort of sauntering back on side, looking like for all the world like he's just coming back from the shops with a pint of milk, just checks Kano and causes him to sort of slip, and Kano's either going for a tackle or he's going for the charge down, but that I think just causes him to change sort of direction and and he takes the leg um what then happens is that people then w- realized that people were making raising this point so they cropped the video <laughs> to, oh, to just the point of kano flying in and taking out conor murray's leg and just say look at this look at this isn't this horrendous and, and yeah when you crop it down to that just a man flying in and taking somebody's leg out without any wider <laughs> context of course it looks horrendous um and it, it happened. It was just we had the same thing after the Glasgow Munster game, where we had to get well. Let me say we had to get like we were we were the ones in charge of defending <laughs> Glasgow and and dispelling the this, the conspiracy theory. But you know, Ruri, Ruri um, Campbell of this parish wrote that piece, sort of debunking the the whole um, you know Conor Murray standing leg gate uh, at Glasgow, um, and partly he brings it on himself. He's far you know the. I can't think of another scrum half that has this problem, which says to me that it's Conor Murray that's 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 sort of <coughs> almost inviting it to happen, um, or allowing defenders time to come through the gate or come around the side and and try to try attempt the charge down. So he's either taking too long, or he's not setting up his rut guards correctly to give him protection. Yeah, I mean, the, the other problem you have is Kaino has come around the wrong, he's come around the wrong side. So, you know, even if he was going to, his, his only real option is a tackle. He's, surely from that side, he's not going to, to get a charge down. So mm. if anything even slightly goes wrong, he's going to look like he's, um, like he's uh, a dirtier player than Johnny Gray. The filthiest yes. of the filthy. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, it was, it, uh, I mean, it's part of Warren Gatlin's deflection technique, but I think it, you know, it, that sort of talk might work against maybe the Englands and the Scotlands of the rugby world in terms of, you know, trying to either deflect attention or wind up your opposition. But I think in terms of saying stuff like that in New Zealand about New Zealand is just like, Taking a big stick and poking an already hungry and angry bear, and then walking <laughs> walking into the cage with the bear, continuing to poke it and expecting to come out unscathed. Yeah, or or you know, walking towards the hacker. Yeah, yep. exactly. That never that 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 has never ended well from any for anybody that has, <laughs> yeah. has tried that. I don't. I mean, he used to do that. He used to do the thing where he would lob these hand grenades in the week before Six Nations games and. 
everyone was, you know, you're never quite sure whether he's doing it. I mean, I suppose, yeah, he could be, he could be doing it so that, um, so that the New Zealand press will put up front pages of him cartooned up like a clown. And then, you know, his, his team will, will rally around and want to do, do it for the coach and stop the, stop the nasty buggers picking on him. But I don't, I'm not sure. Might he be doing that? I know, and the other thing is, you wor- yeah, well, you worry about Conor Murray as well, because what does it do to his mentality? I mean, I know the sports people have this mm-hmm. thing, but if, if your coach is going around saying they're targeting his leg, then that can't do much for his confidence either in going, are they? All right. Mm-hmm. Or, or reinforcing to him a belief he already holds, which we know Conor Murray holds. Conor Murray believes people go after his standing leg. Um, and if your coach is now going around going, you're, you're absolutely right, they are targeting your standing leg, then... That when you come when it comes to your yeah. box kicking, there's going to be that thought at the back of your mind of that slight reluctance or that slight hesitation, which then allows people to yeah, come through and target. Because they don't, <laughs> they don't even, you know, in this in the next test, Jerome kind of doesn't need to go anywhere near him. He could just do a Superman dive two feet away from him. But if yeah. Conor Murray sees him out of the corner of his eye, he's going to brick it and flop his kick up, and you know that's 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 an even better outcome because there's no question of foul play. But the All Blacks get the outcome that they're looking for. Yeah, I just, I would just love them, and love to see Kano just standing at the side of a rock, just going corner, <laughs> corner, just pointing at him with a glint in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, like two eyes to the eyes, and then just pointing at him. <laughs> or even two eyes to the eyes, and then pointing at his standing leg. <laughs> Uh, it's the same as last time, isn't it? When the, when the management spoke up about it, it's like the first thing you're going to do as an opposition team is if he's got that and he's in his mindset and it's clear he reacts badly to it, he, you know, with all the press stuff after the Glasgow incident, it's clear he's not really cool with that. The first thing you're going to do is send one of your big back rows straight down the channel and make him crap himself, aren't you? Yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, and, and again, it just comes back to it's not, I think people get very carried away with these things. And I don't think, well, I'd like to, I'd like to think that it's certainly professional um, athletes at the level the All Blacks are at aren't deliberately going out to try and injure anybody. They might be going out to try and put people off or to distract people or play on the fringes of the game. But I don't think anybody's going out to break anybody's leg deliberately simply because the All Blacks don't need to do that. So why would they? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that's it for this series of the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast. Uh, we're hopefully going to be back in October um, because it's the blog's 10th birthday. So we're going to try and do um, a couple of podcasts around that. Hopefully get some special guests on, get some old um, alumni coming back to have a chat to us. Dougie uh, Donnelly. And we'll, yeah, Dougie Donnelly, if we can. Yeah, Dougie, if you're out there and you'd like to come on and... Um, you know, read out some where's Doogie Donnelly's, then uh, we're up for that. Um, we can't afford to pay you anything, but you know, if, you, if you've got like, if you if you've got Skype and you're willing to speak to us, we'll happily have you on. Um, like 70s discos all over again, be beautiful. Yeah. Um, if you want to do, yeah, Doogie, if you want to DJ the Scottish Rugby Blog uh, Christmas party, then feel free. Um, we can pay you in beer. Um, 
and then we'll cover we'll the next series we'll cover the autumn tests um and then back again for the six nations uh in the meantime follow us on twitter at scott rugby blog uh visit the website scottishrugbyblog.co.uk we'll keep putting articles up on there uh, over the summer and then uh into the start of the pro 12 uh we're on facebook facebook.com slash scottish rugby blog um but in the meantime it's goodbye from me and goodbye from john goodbye and goodbye from rory goodbye Basically, an intergalactic invasion into this space through people. I, I'm telling you, it's what all the ancients said. It's what they warned of. It's what we're dealing with. They're demons. They're freaking interdimensional invaders, okay? I'll just say it. Make fun of me all you want on CNN or wherever, but everyone already innately knows this. These people are not freaking humans, okay? <laughs>